This podcast is also part of a pod course, which is available for credit on speechtherapypd.com. All you need to do is register for the course, complete the requirements, and you will receive credit. Speechtherapypd.com is a video continuing education company, a certified ASHA CE provider. folks, and welcome to First Bite, Fed, Fun, and Functional. I'm your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MSCCC SLP, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast was, like most creative processes, birthed from a combination of a several cups of coffees and, honestly, even more questions posed by a series of impassioned graduate students that I've had the pleasure of supervising over the last several years. First Bite's mission... It's to answer those questions that we've all had, but we've either been too afraid to ask or we didn't have the subject matter expert saved to our own personal speed dials. So, do you too have more questions and answers when it comes to treating your medically complex and fragile pediatric patients? Are you unsure if the signs and symptoms that you're observing are indicative of an allergy, maybe an underlying GI issues, or could they possibly be neurologically driven? How many questions do you really have for that registered dietitian regarding the formulas prescribed and the flow rate through that patient's G-tube? Have you ever been consulted for a quote-unquote difficult latch only to find out that the mother is exclusively breastfeeding, but you've never nursed a little one or worked with the breastfed patient before? And what about functional communication? Are you so over flashcards, but you need advice on how to get started with core vocabulary with a non-speech-generating device or how to find the right fit for a speech-generating device? Do you have additional worries about the basic day-to-day running and documentation of your private practice? How do you go about obtaining referrals or even documenting that note so that the insurance company deems it medically necessary? If you answered yes, well, then come join me, Michelle Dawson, for this dynamic podcast presented by SpeechTherapyPD.com. Who am I, you ask? Well, I'm a self-described SLP geek with, as my family says, a touch of the ADD and ADHD. I have a passion for serving the least of these, namely the most complex and involved pediatric patients in their natural environment through my private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, in the Columbia, South Carolina metro area. I also have had the pleasure, and currently still am, traveling the country where I lecture on best practices for pediatric dysphagia and functional language acquisition delivered through an early intervention natural environment model. Are you still intrigued? Then come join me as I interview some amazing folks. And don't forget that you can submit questions for a Q&A or interview request topics to me via email at firstbite at speechtherapypd.com or on our Facebook page. And also check out our website, drop a review, subscribe to obtain those coveted ASHA CEUs. All right, folks, let's get right to it. Welcome back to First Bite, Fed, Fun, and Functional, Resources for the Pediatric Clinician. I'm your host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. The topic of today falls in the functional and the Fed category, with emphasis on tackling that tricky EOE, 
also known as eosinophilic esophagitis, diagnosis, but from a family perspective. On that note, I'm excited to reintroduce my sweet friend and colleague, Mrs. Jennifer Tardy, certified holistic nutritionist and integrate. Help me out here, baby. Integrative. Integrative. See, I don't teach the kids to talk. I teach them to eat. <laughs> Integrative <laughs> health coach. For those of you that didn't hear our last talk, episode 11, or I have a business now, how do I drum up the business? Uh, Jennifer and I met years ago while she was acting as my referral coordinator for a private practice company where we were mutually employed, and it was nerdy gal love at first sight. I deeply appreciated her passion, and she tolerated my loud, sometimes smart mouth. Um, Flash forward a few years, and I have stood in awe as she has time and again bravely advocated for her son who has autism spectrum disorders and was most recently humbled as she shared with me her family's personal experiences with his crippling EOE diagnosis. So get your tissues ready um, and let's learn together from this amazing woman, Mrs. Jennifer. Um, Start us in, but tell us why your perspective is so unique with your academic and your skills training. Um, Talk to me about that first. Um, what do you mean by that, Michelle? You're, you're certified nutritionist business. That, that's what I want to know about because you're a mama bear. You're also, you're also you, baby. (laughs) (laughs) So you want to know what my certifications are? Yes. Tell us again in case they didn't catch you on the last one. Sure, sure. Um, I'm a certified um, integrative health coach um, where I attended um, uh, Institute for um, Integrative um, Nutrition. And I'm also a certified holistic nutritionist through AFPA, um, which I have to be recertified every um, two years in order to maintain that certification. So I have to continue to do um, CEU courses um, during that time to stay certified as a holistic nutritionist. Okay. All right. So um, that has given you unique I guess readiness would be a nice way of saying that when your son got the diagnosis of EOE, but yeah. So um, how, talk to me about that. Yeah. And I wasn't, um, I was only certified as a health coach um, back during his diagnosis. Um, So his diagnosis gave me the passion and the drive to go even further further um, in getting, you know, certified all the way as a holistic nutritionist. Um, When he um, and and Riley had health problems all along with seizures and bradycardia, which is a low heart rate um, and things like that. Um, When he started having symptoms of EOE, which we weren't, I had never heard of it before. He was losing a ton of weight rapidly. Um, He went from being this chubby boy to being five foot 10 at the time and 108 pounds. And that was despite eating calorie content of over 5,000 calories a day. He was eating an entire rotisserie chicken at a time 
um, the the large rotisserie chickens, like you get at the wholesale club, Sam's Club or whatever. Um, so they're large chickens and he was eating the entire thing um, as well as some other foods um, that were high calorie or just trying to keep the weight on him. Um, and he was just continuing to lose. At the same time, he, he was... Um, he was 13 years old at the time. Okay. So now folks, I've known them for a long time. So, I mean, I've known them for a while, um, but in case, um, did he, I'm sorry, Michelle, you cut out on that part. Sorry. A thunderstorm's rolling through. When did he get the diagnosis of autism spectrum disorders? When he was two and a half. Okay. So he's had, and you've advocated for him for a long time prior to starting. Yeah. And science. he started seizures at three months old. Um, so it started basically he had health problems from birth with lack of oxygen. He had a stroke in utero um, and then seizures starting at three months old and then autism diagnosis at two and a half. Um, so yeah, it's been lifelong um, for him. Okay, so by the time he rolled in with this weight loss at 13 years of age, you were already kind of a, a professionally trained mama bear, um, knowing how to, I mean, you came with some of that skill set already on how to advocate. Yeah, and it was really difficult, Michelle, because we would take him to the pediatrician and um, it, it, they would just attribute it to... Um, maybe a growth spurt going through puberty or because he liked to run a lot, he was very active. So, but then when I showed him, when I showed them the amount of calories he was taking in, there was no explanation for it except, well, maybe he's just going to be thin like a runner. Um, And your son's like a really good runner. Didn't he just win a championship at the Special Olympics? He did. He got third place for um, regional. Regional third. Yes. Yes. So he's not just like strolling through the park out there. I mean, like the man can can bolt. He can run. He can run. Um, So that's kind of what it was kind of attributed to. It was kind of, um, it it wasn't... um, I don't want to say I wasn't taken seriously, but it wasn't like a big deal, um, you know, with, with the medical doctors. Um, he w- And then um, I wanted to, I'm like, well, let's, I want to see a specialist because something isn't right. There's, it's impossible for him to eat this amount of food and continue to lose this amount of weight. And he's getting these weird rashes. He's complaining of stomach pain. Um, he's guzzling tons of water when he's eating and constant hacking, just constant and spinning up lots of mucus um, to the point where he's spending a good portion of his school day in the bathroom, just gagging, hacking up um, mucus um, from his throat, from his esophagus. Um, so we went to the gastroenterologist after a several months wait and they did the upper and lower scopes, and he was right full of eosinophils, um, and we got the diagnosis of EOE. 
Um, and then we were referred to an allergist to see what he was allergic to. Um, and both doctors said, we don't know where this comes from and there's no cure. Um, and we were looking at a feeding tube as well as steroid drugs at that point. Okay. So I have multiple thoughts on what you've talked that I want to explain to the listeners to the speech pass that aren't familiar with EOE. Um, so I want to hang on the next question because I, I want to go through the signs and symptoms that he was presenting with. Okay. All right. So from a medical perspective, folks, the, the things that he was presenting with the hacking and the needing to drink lots of water to get the bolus down is just that EOE is synonymous with um, impactions, the length of the esophagus. So him trying to take that much fluid in was just simply because he's trying to move it through the concentric rings on the way down. Now, um, Dr. Dr. Greg Black, who we've actually interviewed a couple of times, he's over there with um, your allergist that you guys and um, go see. Um, he did the most beautiful explanation on EOE that I've ever heard. And he said, in a nutshell, you have eosinophilic cells are supposed to be in your small intestine. Occasionally, they travel up to your, uh, your stomach lining for whatever reason. They're not supposed to go any further north than your stomach. But a lot of these children have um, GERD, acid reflux, and our children that have autism spectrum disorders are at an increased likelihood for having GERD, um, especially if he's ever been on cranial nerve suppression um, medications, such as seizure medications. It compounds it even further. Um, and so he has an acidic event and it brings the eosinophilic cells into the esophagus that's already inflamed. Well, what happens is that eosinophilic cell wedges its way between the interstitial lining of the other cells that are supposed to be there and they become really inflamed and it's one concentric ring after another, which that concentric ring pattern, if you look down through a scope, y'all YouTube this, but when you look down through a scope, it almost looks like the cartonologist cartonologist rings of the trachea inside the esophagus. And that's what the food is getting impacted on. And what happens is when we have stomach acid, when we had a GERD event, our body makes mucus to coat the esophageal wall. So he's making all that mucus to coat and smooth the lining of the esophagus, trying to drink the water to move the bolus through the esophagus. And it's just one thing after another. So from a Physiological perspective, if you go in and you do your swallow evals and the child is presenting with some of those signs and symptoms and they have um, complaints of their stomach hurting, your first clinical thought should be to get that baby to a good pediatric GI. Because, I mean, don't y'all don't give me the kid that has dysfluencies. I will make the child stutter more. Um, we are all well aware that lateral lisps and pr correct pronunciation of multisyllabic words in the letter R, not my thing. Not all pediatric GIs are, 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 are good at chasing EOE. So those are just a lot of people are still not familiar with it. And here's the other scary fact about EOE. EOE has the same prevalence rate Um it, it impacts boys more than girls. It's a four to one ratio um, for boys. So it kind of 
looks like our ASD populations from the beginning. So, okay, I'm sorry. I just had to put those two thoughts in because I knew there was a lot of people on the line thinking, well, what does EOE look like? So, um, so there it is. Okay, all right, so continue back in. I apologize, Jennifer, for interjecting, but um, once you guys got him over to the allergist, how did you find out what you could feed him? Because a lot of these kids end up on Ellicare Jr., Ellicare Jr. vanilla, and with feeding tubes. Exactly, exactly. And that's where we we're headed um, because he was down to 108 pounds and that is severely underweight um, for mm -hmm. a five foot 10 inch boy. Um, yeah. You know, he had lost over 30 pounds um, in a short, very short period of time. Um, they did um, allergy blood testing. Um, the only thing that showed up for the blood test was um, shellfish, highly what? allergic to shellfish, which is weird because we're from Maine and he ate shellfish all the time and never had a reaction. So it's kind of odd that he scored, that he reacted very high on a, on a blood test for shellfish. So we resorted to the patch testing, um, which I think was a 48 hour testing where he had to wear these, like they look like little bottle caps things that were taped to his back um, with several different foods um, that could be allergenic for him. Come to find out, just about 100% of his diet, he was very allergic to. Oh my God. Yes. The poultry, um, peaches, rice. And you just said he ate a rotisserie chicken a night. <laughs> yes. Wheat, dairy, um, you name it, eggs, um, nuts, you know, all that peanut butter, you know, he was eating peanut butter sandwiches, just trying to put that weight on him. He was allergic to everything. Um, so it was like, okay, we are not going the feeding tube route. I'm not going to do it. We're not doing steroids and we're going to get to the root of this to see what's going on. And I'm gonna get really creative to see what I can feed them. <laughs> so, so, so what did you, all right, so what did you do? How did you go about feeding him? I mean, if he's allergic to like primarily all the foods that were in your pantry. Okay, and now I see why you went on for that additional certification and training. <laughs> and to top it off, what is the common link with, with people with autism? They're very picky eaters. Yeah. So, and non-verbal or limited verbal. Exactly. So that was another hurdle was, okay, how do we get, because we had already expanded his diet from chicken nuggets and cheese pizza and waffles to rotisserie chickens and some vegetables, limited vegetables um, and, and things like that. So we'd already worked really hard at expanding his diet but now we get to take those foods away and change it again. So how are we going to do that with the limited um, foods that he can have? Um, so the number one thing I thought of was potatoes. Those are filling and you can make them really high in calories. Um, guacamole um, or avocado. That's another high fat food. I, I can um, support this diet, potatoes and avocados. <laughs> 
kiddo, huh? <laughs> I had to get, I had to learn how to make bread because all of the breads in the store, even the gluten-free, because now he's allergic to oats, wheat, and rice. Even the gluten-free varieties have rice in them. They're made with rice flour. Um, so I couldn't even use that. So I had to find research and find bread recipes to make in a bread machine um, that he was going to be able to have. I, did, I swapped out um, nut butter for um, sunflower seed butter. I swapped out um, uh, regular milk for soy milk because um, he, he wasn't allergic to that. Um, things like that. The other thing is, is the more research I did, the more I looked at the timelines of when EOE was started to come about and the amounts of pesticides that are used on our foods um, and GMOs. There was a direct correlation between the increase in allergies um, in children as well as adults. Now you have adults having food allergies with foods that they've eaten all their lives, such as a nut allergy or soy or corn allergies. Um, so, and it all kind of traces back to the Roundup and glyphosate that's sprayed on all of our foods. So the more research I did and the more books I read, um, it was like, we've got to go organic and we've got to get him flooded with vegetables and fruits. Um, there, I, I mean, I, I treat feeding. So like my next thought is, or you have a child that now has a life altering diagnosis that is a picky eater that has limited at the time he had limited ver, um, verbal abilities. Um, I am well aware that he is quite verbal now, <laughs> um, but, um, with his big old deep manly voice, but, um, uh, you guys, that's, that changes as a family because one of the things that I always recommend to families is if you want your child to eat and drink what you're, what they need to, what we're food chaining out to, then you have to model that. So how did y'all exactly. go about and that from a, back a little bit to Michelle, the same time that Riley was diagnosed, Hallie was also diagnosed with ADHD and the teachers at school were pushing yeah, our daughter, we're pushing for her to be put on ADHD medication. And I didn't want that. So the more we saw, okay, this food is playing a big role here. We got to do this as a family because we were all having some sort of health conditions going on. Um, but at the time, our main focus was Riley. Um, but like you said, we had to model it. Um, and how are we going to get this severely picky eater um, child to start eating vegetables and, and fruits because we never pushed it before. It was just kind of avoid a tantrum type of thing, which is don't do that parents <laughs> ever. We started with smoothies um, mm -hmm. and we got him involved in the kitchen and yes, say that again. Wait, 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 wait. Drum roll. You got him involved in the kitchen? Is that what you yeah. said? You brought him in? That is the number one thing is you got to get them involved in the kitchen. Help, let them help. 
prepare the food because they're going to be interested and they're going to be more likely to try it because there's the trust thing because they've helped to prepare it. Um, so they're going to be more likely to try it versus if just mom and dad put something, some new weird food on their plate where they don't know where it comes from. And mom and dad is looking all anxious, like, eh, I don't think he's going to try it or she, they're not going to try it. Yes. But if you get them involved and they see all the steps and what is going on, they're going to try it. Yeah. Uh, and that's it's, what we have to do. They, they have to be involved in the process. Folks, we are, the World Health Organization has very clear position statements that all of our therapies are supposed to be functional and ADL based. And we get ADLs. We get activities of daily living for our geriatrics. I mean, my gosh, it's drilled into us. But we forget that has an immediate carryover to our pediatric populations. So if you're working on feeding therapy, especially with a kid with EOE and a child that has ASD, don't just throw the food down. Get them in there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And make it fun. So we made things out of little faces on a plate um, to make little like characters, happy faces, um, whether it was like with cucumber slices or peas lined up or bananas, banana slices, um, just to kind of make it fun and um, interesting and real colorful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, soda water was a nice little incentive. Um, Find something that they like that's healthy a lot. And um, we use that as fizzy waters. Is that what you mean? Like the waters? Yes. Fizzy waters. Um, That was one of Riley's favorite things to drink. Um, So we kind of use that as an incentive for, to get him to try new foods. Uh Um, And then just kept reiterating, this is going to make you healthy. Um, This food makes you sick. Um, That like the chicken. Um, So this is healthy food. This food is going to make you sick and just kept, educating him and training him um, that way. So he would be fully aware what he can have and what's going to make him sick. Um, I I just running at um, an early intervention party last spring. I think wasn't it last spring and the, the company that was hosting it was passing out bags of chips and y'all were, you and Paul were featured speakers on healthy eating, um, which is fantastic. And the irony that they're there passing out bags of like the worst chips ever. And, you know, my family, I got my babies there and my babies were like two and four. And the four year olds like, ooh, we need to eat these giant cheesy orange chips that mama doesn't let us have in the house. And Riley walks over and he's like, you're eating poison. And my four year old's like, I'm going to die. <laughs> just as plain as day (laughs) your your lessons worked my friend also now my now my my now five-year-old whenever he eats and he's like and you're sure it's not going to make me sick and I'm like once or twice a year won't kill you have fun with eating with the grandparents but um (laughs) way to go Riley okay all right so how long was this recovery process for y'all well, it it didn't happen overnight. Um, we started noticing um, his skin clearing up first. Um, Did he have eczema or acne? What was? What do you mean? Clarify that. The he skin had both, clearing. Michelle. He had really bad eczema, and then he had really bad um, like cystic acne um, all <laughs> over his face, and then especially around his hairline. You know where you know it can get really oily. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and all over his back, um, just cystic acne. Um, and then he had the eczema on his legs and elbows and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Um, so we noticed the, the skin clearing up first. Um, and then we noticed he was, um, he wasn't gagging as much mm-hmm. and then he started gaining weight and right. he, he's gaining weight on mainly a plant-based diet, which is crazy because you would think that um, most people would think if you go on a plant-based diet, you're going to lose a ton of weight because it's such low calories. Um, and he was eating lower calories because he wasn't eating you know, whole chickens anymore or whole pizza. Um, but he was getting the right nutrients that he wasn't allergic to and his body wasn't rejecting. Um, so that was feeding his cells and causing um, those cells to communicate and then causing the healing to occur. So we went back in one year and we got another scope. Um, he still had EOE, but the eosinophil count was way down. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. The doctor asks, what are you doing? Because we didn't follow what he suggested at all. And I said, we're non-GMO and we're going, we went plant-based and he looked at me like I had four heads, like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so we went a year later and we had another scope and no eosinophils, none. So two, years. two years later. Two years later, no more EOE. And he has been symptom-free now for four years it's been four years he just turned 19 years old um and the allergist couldn't believe it either he was just blown away with when he asked us what did you guys do how did you feed him because he was allergic to so many foods and when we told him what we did he was just blown away like again four heads like what um But yeah, and the other thing too with EOE, it's not always food that causes symptoms. Riley not only was allergic to food, but also environmental allergies. So trees, grass, um, things like that. So those are very allergenic as well. Um, And those also improved with with diet and just eat an abundance of nutrient-rich foods. Okay. Well, I have to say, like, I've seen him over the last couple of years and he looks healthier than when I first met him. And like, he looks healthier. And, and I've treated kids with EOE and every child, every child I've ever worked with, their allergies were unique to them. Like I have one child that's allergic to pea powder, like a pea protein powder, which apparently, and like, everything um it is one allergen has been consistent across all and it's milk um like every kid i've worked with has always been allergic to milk and um, 80 percent of the population is lactose intolerant um so that kind of goes hand in hand with that that's why we have to limit our cheese intake i mean even though brie with fig jam is delicious (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I know a certain husband that appreciates when we don't partake a lot of that. <laughs> but um, oh, that's TMI moving along. Um, but um, but it, it worked for you guys. And, and that's that's awesome because you did it without um, all the you, you did it without a feeding tube. And that's not right for every kid. I mean, I've worked right. with the infants that like they had to have the feeding tube. But yep. I mean, for some children, that's, you know, that could be the right call. And all right. So here's the deal. If people are looking for good resources out there to begin this conversation or say a listener just wants to learn more about EOE, but going about it from like a healthy, like holistic plant-based approach, what resources did you use and how do they get in touch with you for that? Yeah, um, a a few books um, that got me started in the journey with with researching. Um, I'll hold them up. Um, This one is called Disease Proof Your Child. And it's by um, Dr. Joel Furman. Um, And it's reducing asthma, ear infections, allergies. um, And it's just boosting that your child's immune system. Um, And the other one is also by Dr. Furman and it's super immunity. Um, Mm -hmm. That's another wonderful one. Um, And then Dr. Neil Barnard has got um, eating a healthy eating for life um, Mm -hmm. for children. Um, And they're all wonderful resources and they all have um, websites um, to go to and, um, you know, and of course, do your own research and everything as well. Um, but that's where I got started um, with researching. Um, I wanted to find doctors that weren't um, paid by industry to get a non-biased research um, for, for what to do, because um, there's so many conflicting information out there. Yes. And, and I know you, I know you're thorough. Um, your thorough gene makes me look lackadaisical. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, and I know Paul has always recommended, um, yeah, well, both of you have recommended um, some of the um, Netflix shows and I attempt to watch them, but inevitably when I sit down to watch, I'm always eating. And then I look down <laughs> at what I'm eating and then it kind of like kills it for me personally. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's that's honest. But um, I know how to get a hold of you. But if somebody wants to ask you questions specifically about um, um, y'all's walk with EOE and um, advice on, you know, maybe their own personal healthy eating, how do they reach you for that? Sure. Um, they can go on my website. It's www.eatingforhealing.com. Dot org. Um, and then I'm also on Facebook, um, Eating for Healing. Um, and then you can also email me, jennifertardy.nutrition at gmail.com. Okay, perfect. Um, and, um, and one thing um, before we switch over to questions, because I am sure there will be a lot of questions on this. Um, you, you briefly said it earlier, and you talked about how you kept track of the 5,000 calories that Riley was consuming in a day and then shared that with the physician. How did you go about that? 
Um, I just used an app um, like Chronometer is one of them. That's a really good app because it also keeps track of all the di different individual nutrients. Um, so your B vitamins, um, some amino acids, um, fat, sodium, sugars, um, and then the types of fat. So that's a really great um, app to use. Um, and if a food isn't listed, you can actually scan um, the barcode with your smartphone and it will just enter it automatically right in there. Um, and oh, then you can, yeah. And then you can um, email yourself um, the, um, the daily um, log. And then that's what I did. And then I printed it out and then I showed um, both our pediatrician as well as the gastroenterologist as well um, to show that something was wrong because he's eating so many, so much food and calories, um, and then still continuing to lose. Um, today, he weighs a healthy 142 pounds, and he's 5'11", which is slender, um, but it's healthy for him. Um, he's able to maintain that, um, and he's very, very active. Um, if he's not riding his bike, he's swimming or running. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he's a 19-year-old kid. Most 19-year-old kids are like bean poles from the get-go. Well, yeah. I mean, most are, but, you know, maybe not necessarily in our typical zip codes where we live. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Now, is there um, any last parting words of wisdom that you have for maybe the parent that's out there listening? That, you know, tell, tell it from the mama. What, what, how would you say that? Um, don't be afraid to do extra research. Um, so if your gut tells you that something isn't right, um, go with it. Um, if I hadn't done that, if we hadn't done that, Riley, he would have had to have a feeding tube because he would have kept losing weight and the EOE would have gotten worse. Um, so go always go with your gut if you feel that something isn't right because you as parents know your child the best and do what's best for them. Yes. All right, folks, There, there's probably the best line that we have heard thus far. The parents know. I mean, yep. they may not realize that they know. Sometimes you have to help guide them, ask the right questions to tease it out. But the parents know what's going on with their kids. So um, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I know this was You're welcome. It's hard to talk about our babies and to lay it out there. But I mean, you know, you, you can change other kids' stars by sharing this. So thank yes, you. Yes, absolutely. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies. 